Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Gang, I hope you're having a great week. We got a super fun episode from the mailbag, getting back to some normalcy. Let's talk about this poor technician, Molly, who's getting yelled at at her new job. I hope she's not really getting yelled at. We're going to unpack that. Let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. We are supported by Pet Desk. Guys, I don't think ever in my life has communication been more critical than it is right now. Pet Desk gives you an easy-to-use platform to manage your client communications all in one place, and it gives your clients a five-star rated mobile app to connect with you when and where they want. Pet Desk gives you telemedicine tools like unlimited two-way messaging so you can text clients uh, videos, you can text them photos, you can even text them PDFs. Finally, whenever we talk about Pet Desk, we have got to mention their incredible support team that's going to get you up and going and never leave you hanging. Guys, go to PetDesk.com slash Uncharted and you even get a special introductory offer. Check it out, PetDesk.com slash Uncharted. And we are back. It's me. And Stephanie, the only one who could ever teach me was the son of a preacher man, Goss. <laughs> that might be one of my all-time favorites. That is one of my all-time favorite songs. I love oh, it. yeah? I love That's it. That's a great one. Cool, man. <laughs> Look at you. You're smiling again. And I I looked at, uh, at Skype today, and there's a picture of our last conversation with your mask on. Uh, just, I'm like, this is social media gold, is what this is. I, <laughs> we need to post this to the world. But yes, I am. oh, you you just look like you're reborn. You look fantastic and vibrant and happy. It's like, <laughs> oh man, it's good to see your face. Well, that's good considering I'm still in my pajamas at 10 a.m. <laughs> Maybe that's why, because usually it's your pajamas at 6 a.m. Yeah, now it's 10 a.m. So that maybe this is what you look like normally during your day, and I've never seen it. Well, normally when we're getting ready to podcast, it's like 6 a.m. my time, and I am already up and ready to go to the clinic, or I am still in my pajamas because I have yet to uh, throw on clothes to run out the door to the clinic. So um, it is. It is nice. The sun is shining in Washington State, and it is beautiful outside, which helps. And I do not have a mask on, which is which is very exciting. So, life yeah. is, um, yeah, life is slowly getting back to normal. I think. How are you? Awesome. I am hanging on, as you can probably guess. the uh, The children are still, the children are still alive. And that's important. Life is still going on. <laughs> yeah. I uh I'll make a confession. I um there's been ups and downs this whole time, but uh I I have felt a number of times like, man, this being quarantined and just working in the yard, <laughs> you know what I mean? And um going in sort of limited shifts and things like that. I'm like, this is not the worst thing that could happen. I'm reading books I've wanted to read. Uh, today was the first morning I woke up and I was sad. Like I'm ready for this to be over. Yeah. I think I think up to this point there was a certain amount of like downtime that I was glad to have. And but I think it's like when you have a holiday season and by the end you're like, okay, that's great. I'm ready I'm, to go. I am ready. I am yeah. ready to go. And yeah. so yeah, I'm I'm feeling that energy 
bubbling up inside of me, and we're going to have to find some productive work outlets. We've got one, though. The uh, virtual graduation is coming up yes. on May the 3rd. We are going to do a virtual graduation for all the vet students who are not getting like commencement speakers or big celebrations. And we've got um, me and Betsy Charles, Dr. Betsy Charles, who's amazing, and Dr. Sarah Boston, who's amazing. And uh, Trustin Moore is going to sing some songs for us. And it is going to be absolutely awesome. We've got a host of others. And so uh, I'll, put, I'll put a link down in the description for people who want to attend that. But I actually, that's been a great creative project. I'm super excited about it. We can do something good for the world. I've yeah. heard from so many parents of vet students and so many vet students who are just fired up and, uh, and are excited about having like an actual event for them to celebrate them. And so I, it's just, it's totally volunteer. Uh, it was a sort of a pro bono project, but God, I needed a project. And, uh, and it just broke my heart for those guys to have their graduations canceled and their families to not be able to participate. Yeah, I think um, this is this is going to be so awesome. I'm super excited about it. Um, you know, from a personal perspective, we have a um, senior vet student who's set to join our practice in um, the next month or so. And I know that it's been really hard for her and all of her classmates. They've been they've been really struggling. Not only is there clinicals get cut short in this last semester and they were just, you know, they were in practice one day and then they were told, oh no, just kidding, you're done for the semester. Um, but then to think about all of the things that they have worked for and not getting to have that moment to feel like I am so proud of this accomplishment and here I'm going to show my family and friends in the world, um, you know, what I can do. And the end result is they're still going to be a vet you know, Monday after graduation, whether you walk across the stage or not, you're going to wake up and be a veterinarian. And that's really what you've worked for. But to be able to give them something to brighten their day, I think is, is super, super awesome. So I am ex very excited about this, uh, I, this project. I'm, I, one of the reasons I think I'm so fired up about it is because this is, um, I think this is the future. I think I think you're going to see more and more of, of us as veterinarians and just us as people, saying, hey, this is not how it's been in the past. This is not ideal. But yeah. we are going to accept what is, and we are going to celebrate this damn graduation. Like, like that's what we're going to do. And yeah. so I, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling positive because of that. So anyway, with that, let's get into this episode. Yeah. You got um, so I'm excited about this one. I think it's applicable both for uh, vet students who are working in practices as well as um, this one came from the mailbag and it came to us from a vet tech student. Um, and I really love it. The question um, that was asked is, how do you handle it when you're a student tech or a newer technician trying to learn the actual skills and experienced techs won't take the time to help you? I've been yelled at many times for making mistakes because no one takes the time to help me learn properly. I'm in my last semester of vet tech school and I'm about to complete my final externship with some pretty big clinical skills. And I'm really worried that no one will take the time to help me learn what I need to succeed. I can learn so much from books. I know how to intubate patients from a book standpoint, for example, but I need actual practice. I know it's slow for a newbie to learn these skills, but I honestly just want to learn and be able to become a better tech for my hospital. Molly, we we gave you a pseudonym there, Molly. 
And um, yeah. I think this one is such a good one because I think I think this is one where, again, um, a lot of people are going to be listening to this going, are they talking about me? Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, because I think that it's something that happens time and time again and plays out in vet clinics across the across the world. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So this happens all the time um, to Molly, who is going kind of get yelled at all the time. Uh, let's talk about some headspace stuff. And the first thing I would say to Molly is um, uh, relax. I mean, not relax like this is bad, but I mean, um, know, Molly, that this is not a you problem. It's a, it's a clinic problem. Mm-hmm. Know also that the clinic is doing their best. You know what I mean? Like, they're not, nobody's bad. Nobody's trying to get you in trouble, anything like that. I think, so right. just for me going, okay. They should really have their stuff together, but they don't. And it's not because they're bad or mean or, you know, it's just, it just is. Mm -hmm. So I am going to try to accept that this is a headache that I have to deal with, but it is not my fault. And I am, I'm not going, and getting upset about it doesn't help me in any way. It right. just makes me less happy and it increases the risk that I am going to push back in a way that's going to cause me more headaches. Right. Yes. It's kind of like is one of my favorite sayings is you can be righteous or effective. Choose one. And being righteous is going in there and going, this is all your fault. You guys don't have any plans. You don't have any. Where's your handbook? What kind of joke is this? Um, you know, that's or when someone gets upset, you say that's not what's in the handbook. And, and it becomes this altercation or this pushback. Or whatever, and that is the righteous approach. That's the sort of justice, but but that's not going to help you, right? You're the brand new person. You're going to lose this conflict. You know, you just it's it's not it's not helpful for you to get upset, even though you have every right to get upset. Yeah, I think the other big headspace thing for me has to do with um, what Molly said about. I've been yelled at many times for making mistakes. And that to me is a giant um, red flag. Um, are are you actually getting yelled at? If so, that's a giant red flag. And for me, that would be the line in the sand where I would walk away and say, this is not um, can, a k- environment that is conducive to learning. If someone is actually literally yelling at you when you make mistakes, then that is not an environment in which almost any human being is going to learn well, and this is a conversation that I have had over and over again with team members over the years, um, because there's this there's this common misconception that when someone is given feedback, and it's often feedback that they don't like, um, it is construed as being yelled at, mm-hmm. and sometimes it does come with a stern um, a stern tone of voice. Or it sounds snappy or there is a patient that is being handled and the way that the feedback is given, whether it's the tone or inflection in someone's voice, really does come across as um, as as rude or makes someone can receive it as feeling like they're in trouble. And when you take away the intensity of the actual moment and you take away that patient, um, the risk factor for that patient most most technicians and most doctors could give that feedback in a different way. And it is really situational the way that the tone and inflection comes out in their voice. And so that's something I think that people need to stop and think about is, 
are you truly being yelled at or are you being given feedback that is hard for you to hear or that is be given in the moment that might be given differently outside of that moment? And so I think from a headspace perspective, that's really important for Molly to kind of sit back and process because if you truly are in an environment where you are getting yelled at for making mistakes, um, I think that my answer starts with you need to walk away now. That That's such a great point. And, it, you know, it's funny. As I read, I'm getting yelled at for blah, blah, blah. I completely took that as I'm being given negative feedback. Right. But, yes, to your point, no one should yell at you. And yeah. I didn't mean to gloss over that. Yeah. So, yes, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. If you're getting yelled at, that's not that's not good at all. That's There's some serious problems if the new person is literally being yelled at. If getting yelled at is, hey, uh, you didn't do this right. Can you do it differently next time? That that That's... That's more what I had in my mind. Yep. So let's talk about not the people yelling at you because that's a whole different can of worms. Mm -hmm. But just I people are being stern with me or people appear frustrated sure. that I'm not yep. doing this the right way or things like that. So that's kind of how I read it. Um, yep. But your point is wonderful. Okay. So that's the headspace for me too. I agree. The caveat on no one should yell at you. And then the 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 clarity place is... There should be training here. There should be mentorship here. There should be shadowing here. There should be onboarding. Um, and through no fault of my own, those things don't exist. So I have been put in a situation where I am not going to know things, and that's not my fault. Right. And if you can be confident in that belief, everything else will get a lot easier. Even if people get frustrated with you, you can say, I'm sorry, I don't. I haven't learned this way. I haven't been trained this mm -hmm. this way. Mm -hmm. So, all right. Mm -hmm. So that that's where I start. There are a number of different communication techniques that you can use here um, that you can play depending on who you're dealing with and why things are going the way that they're going. Do you want to open up with, uh, with the approaches that you like? Oh man. Um, yeah. So I think for, me, one of the most important communication pieces starts at the very beginning. And if you didn't have this conversation before you started your um, externship with your clinic, I think there's no time like the present to sit down and have a conversation and talk to the person who is doing your training. Um, but really, for me, this is a, a broader philosophical conversation for the clinic as a whole. But really talk to the person, um, whether it's a technician, a licensed technician, or a veterinarian, usually, who's responsible for doing the training for a tech program. Ask them um, what, what they feel like their teaching style is and talk a little bit about what your learning style is. I mean, if you're in an actual school program, you should know yourself well enough to know how you're learning. And I think that there needs to be some conversation about how learn best to set yourself up for success. So if you're a, you know, if you're a note taker and when someone is demonstrating a skill for you um, and you're trying to watch and you're trying to take notes, 
that process can slow things down. And for an experienced technician who's trying to demonstrate something on the fly on the floor, that can be very frustrating for them to feel like you're slowing down the process, you're asking questions. They probably acknowledge that you're asking good questions and they see your effort. But like I said, in the moment with that patient, it can feel very pressuring as someone who has been the trainer to be trying to balance the need needs of your trainee and the needs of your patient. And so I think taking time to have the conversations about how are you learning, how are they teaching, and how do you feel like you can best maximize that in a safe way um, would be super helpful. So for example, if I know that I'm a note taker and I want to watch something, take some notes on it, and then maybe watch it again asking them, telling your trainer, saying, hey, this is how I feel like I learn best. Would it work for you if you just did it and I got the chance to watch it and then I took, you know, five or 10 minutes to write down some notes for myself and then I can come back and watch it again next time before we try and talk through um, how I would do it or you let me try and do it because I want to feel like I have, um, you know, had a chance to take notes and ask questions. Having those kind of conversations up front makes all the difference in my in my personal experience. Yeah, I agree. The way that you can have those that conversation is really important too. And this is a this is the whole head game. Um, I think a lot of people when they're starting a new job, especially if they're coming out of tech school, they're coming out of vet school, they are wrestling with a lot of insecurity. They may be mm-hmm. wrestling with some imposter syndrome. They do not want people to think that they don't know what they're doing or that they were a bad hire. And mm-hmm. so you feel this great pressure to not ask questions and to yeah. show people what you know. And that is a trap. Yes. That is the trap that <laughs> totally screws you over. You know, you're like, totally I'm is. not going to ask because I know how to place a catheter and I'm going to show them I know how to place a catheter. And the truth is every vet clinic places catheters differently. Yep. I mean, yes, they all go in the vein. Yes. But the way they tape them in is right. just... Some people just come up with ridiculous tape things uh-huh. just to be different. I mean, it's, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's, and there's not a right way or a wrong way. There's better ways and less better ways. But the first step when you come into the clinic is to build trust. Right. Later on, when you have trust, you can suggest changes in ways that they might improve. But nobody's going to listen to you when you first get there until you earn their trust. And so your way may be a hundred times better than their way. Shut up. (laughs) Like don't say anything. Just learn their way. And then when you've integrated into the team, you might say, Hey, can we talk? Can I show you guys how I used to do it at the last place I was or the way that I learned to do it? And just, I I just want to talk about it. I just want you to get your thoughts on it. And then you can start to introduce it. But you don't want to have that conversation on your first day. And I know why people do. They're like, I'll show them how much I know. Or I'm going to be genuinely helpful by saying, here's a better way. You don't have that trust yet. And so you come in, you want to prove yourself. So you don't ask questions or you're you're not open or vulnerable that way. And you just, and then you get shot down. And your biggest fear was, I want to be valuable and prove myself. And now I'm getting negative feedback and this is going the wrong way. People who are truly confident come in and they say, I have skills, but every vet clinic is different. I am here to learn how to do it your way and the way that you want it done. And so the most effective new technicians, new graduates, new employees, in my experience, have always been the one that said, how do you do this here? I love that Mm -hmm. phrase. How do you do this here? Because I'm not saying I don't know. I'm saying just 
there's no way that I know how you do it here. I just can't know that. Yeah. How do you do this here? Um, how do you like this done? Yep. I want to do the way that you want it done. Like those are three phrases that I love to hear from new people because that means they are here to learn and is not undermining their uh, clinical competency in my mind in the slightest. In fact, it's making them look smart because they have been around the block enough times to know that there's a million different ways to do it and they want to get on board with team Andy and how he does things. And I'm like, come on, that's awesome. And I think to piggyback on that, then when someone is giving you their answer as a, as a student, um, especially it's, it's a, I'm a look at it from out of the information that they're giving you, what is in common with what you learned, especially if you're a tech who has gone to school or is going through school and doesn't have any prior clinical experience, what, what you should be looking for is what are the commonalities between what you learned from the book and what you're being shown. Focus on that first so that when you look at the differences, you can frame it in a way of, can you tell me why you're doing this piece this way um, so that you can look at why it's different from what you learned? Every um, every vet school teaches things slightly differently. Every tech school teaches things slightly differently. And having um, managed people, as long as I have, I have noticed commonalities. Um, there are things that some of my veterinarians who all went to UC Davis when I was practicing in California, for example, they all did things a certain way. And when I moved here to Washington and I started um, working with veterinarians who had gone to Washington State, I noticed that there was things that they did slightly differently um, than some of the doctors who went to UC Davis, which if you think about it is makes total sense because they learned it from different professors in different in different ways. And it's the same with tech school. And so focusing on those commonalities first and then applying that same school thought that you just shared, Andy, to asking about the differences, to just say, you know, when you're placing a catheter and they're taping it in and the way that they're taping is different than what you learned in your book, you could, you could choose to say, well, in school, we learned that it should be done this way. Uh, Or you could, or you could say, can you tell me why you're doing the taping that way? And then listen to their answer and see if it makes sense with the information that you learned from school. And if there's a question there or, you know, your book was talking talking about um, or your professor talked about, you know, uh, proper technique or you were, you know, there was mention about, well, if you do something this way, it's not going to rip out the fur or whatever. Ask, ask questions, but don't come at it from, well, I learned how to do it this way. Um, versus what they're doing. Look for the commonalities. And I've seen the communication just go so much more smoothly when people approach it from that perspective. Oh, I love it. You're exactly right. It really is how you say it too. That's Mm -hmm. not how we learn to do it in school. Mm -hmm. Sounds challenging because everybody's a little bit insecure. And so now you're really uh, treading on their insecurity and even though they 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 are worried, I'll tell you this, as the new graduates come in, the people who are there are a little bit worried about looking out of date mm-hmm. in your eyes as yes. you come out with the latest training. And yes. so you have more power over them than you think you do. Yes. And that power can be to embarrass them or to, or to play on their anxiety that they're not 
doing the latest things and you're going to think that they're doing hillbilly medicine. Right. So, so that, that's, if you recognize that, I think you can frame it the right way. The truth is medicine is as much art as science and there's a million different ways to do things. Yeah. And a lot of them are just feel and art. And so can you, uh, Tell, tell me why. Tell me how you guys started doing it that way, or, or why you why you why you guys do it that way. I just haven't haven't seen it done that way before, and I just want to understand. Mm -hmm. That's like that's great. Tell me why you do it that way. I haven't seen it done that way. I want to I want to make sure that I do it the way you want it done. Yeah, I think you know. I think that that um, really changes the tone of the conversation when it doesn't feel like. Um, you know, as an as an experienced um, technician or as an experienced team member who's trying to teach someone else, it, it can be very easy to feel like someone is telling you you don't actually know what you're doing. Even if they're just trying to ask a question, the way that you can internalize that and interpret that is, okay, they're trying to tell me that I don't know how to do this, but I've, you know, placed a catheter a million times. I know way better than you. And it's really easy to get frustrated by that. And so I think the way that you ask the questions is really, really important. Yeah. 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 And we're, we're not really talking about the training side. I think this is an interesting question for the, the new employee side, the trainer side, what I would say is when you're training someone, you can't, don't let yourself feel insecure like that. You know what I mean? Don't take the bait. If they ask, assume good intent, assume they're asking because they want to understand, not because right. they're trying to challenge you. So. Oh, hundred percent. Right. But I do think, I do think that as, um, as a trainer, when you're on the floor and you're trying to get things done and train at the same time, which is often the position that most of us are put into, it can be really hard to not, um, to feel that pressure of I've got to get this done. I've got to get this accomplished with this patient. I've got to move on to the next one. And so that can often color people's response. And so I think that there's responsibility on both sides to remember that this is a learning environment. And if you want it to be the most successful, everybody has to come at it from an open-minded perspective. And is if you as the trainer are like, I really need to take care of this patient, then say that to the person. Say, hey, this is not the case. Um, for you to learn on. Like, I want you to learn the skill. I'm, I, we can absolutely talk about this after this patient is over, but I just need to get this patient intubated and we need to move on with the day and communicating that really clearly will save everybody a lot of grief. And that's such a great tip that sounds so commonsensical when it's laid out, but it's amazing how people get in the heat of the moment. And for whatever reason, they don't realize that they have the right and the ability to say, I know I'm responsible for training you but this is not the case for me to do that. And right. so just, we're just going to knock this one out and I'll promise I'll, I'll walk you through it on the next one. Right. You have the ability just to not train on a case. If you go, right. I really need to concentrate on what I'm doing here. Um, and you can watch and we can talk about the end. And that's another great thing is I'm going to do this. I want you to watch when things calm down, we're going to discuss what happens. Yes. And then you don't have to trade anymore. Just go and do it. And yes. an hour later, you can say, Hey, what did you think about that? Or do you have questions for me? But yes, you don't have to be on all the time. You don't have to train all the time. That's just being a good communicator. And it, I mean, it's, it's a boundaries thing, honestly. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's the ability just to say, I can't, I can't train you right now. I don't have the capacity. Yeah. So watch. And we will discuss later if you want. And I promise I'll train you on it on, at another time on another case. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, yeah. You know, another another big part of this that seems um, unrelated but is absolutely not, as the new person coming in, uh, start building trust. 
Start building trust with people. And that doesn't mean, and I don't mean trust just in your clinical skills, because obviously I want to do that. But the truth is, um, the more that people kind of know you and uh, the more that you know them, the less likely they are to yell at you or get frustrated with you and the more likely they are to support you. Mm -hmm. And so just be nice to people and try to, and try to meet them. And I know a lot of the introverts just, um, shrink away from this and it can be, it can be hard. (laughs) The, the truth is the more that people just know you, the more they are to trust you and communicate with you and for you to get along with them. This is uh, from research in the human side of healthcare, where it was shown that nurses had more fulfilling careers and were happier in their jobs, the better they knew the doctors they worked with. If the nurses and the doctors sort of stayed separate and they didn't really interact in a social way at all, uh, those nurses were less happy. And mm-hmm. it has probably fit felt like they were probably getting more bossed around by people they didn't know and things like that. No, I'm not saying uh, you should be best friends and hang out in your free time. Right. But what I'm saying is at work, it pays to know the people that you work with. And yeah. that, that takes time. And so one of the things you can start doing is just taking a genuine interest in the people that you work with and trying to learn a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. I agree. It makes it, it makes it easier for sure. Um, I think the other big piece of this, um, in, in terms of Molly or, or really any, um, student who is looking for a site to do their externships, I have seen so many students come through and they are just, um, they're looking for a clinic that will take an extern. But the reality is, is that there are so many clinics out there and there are a lot of clinics that are happy, say that they're happy to take externs, whether it's that students um, for, for clinical placements or technicians, but that doesn't actually mean that they're all equal. And so I think um, when you're looking at working with a practice and whether it's in your last semester, Molly, to complete your skills or when you go out to find your first job, I think it's just as important for you to interview the practice as it is for the practice to interview you. Because if you want it to be a good solid learning environment, you can't just stop at the surface of a clinic saying, yes, we have a training program. Yes, we have a mentorship program. If that's the answer that you base your decision on, more often than not, I have seen friends, um, technicians, uh, assistants, and vets alike very, very frustrated because they go to a practice where they are told that there's a mentorship program or a training program, but they didn't ask any questions beyond that in terms of what the program looks like. And so they're really, really disappointed when all of the training is on the fly and they're just kind of getting stuffed in in between patients um, or they really aren't getting time taken to work on the skills with them. And I think from, from Molly's email, that's one of the biggest concerns. And so for me, it's really about a culture conversation and doing your homework to interview the clinics and find a spot that is really, truly the right fit for you. Because I promise that there are lots of clinics out there, but you do have to go looking for them. Yes, I completely agree. One of the things I always tell vet students is talk is cheap. And everybody knows that, uh, potential hires want mentorship yep. and uh, and they will tell you, oh yeah, 
Yep. We will mentor you. We will train you. And again, I don't think these people are lying. No. I think that their 100% intention is to mentor you yes. and train you. But then when you get there and the clinic is busy, it just, it doesn't, it yep. doesn't happen because yep. they don't have a system in place. Yeah. And the thing I would flip around and say to the managers and the practice owners out there is if you actually have a mentorship program or a training program, show that to the person, like print it out and yes. give it to them and be like, this is how you'll be trained yes. if you come here. Yes. And it's just because talk is cheap and everybody's telling them this. But if you've actually got something in writing that's like, hey, this is the program, that mean that means a lot. And, and so, yeah. And I think on the flip side of that to the student, um, if you are talking to a clinic and they can't explain with very crystal clear clarity to you what their program looks like, um, then they probably are, again, like Andy said, it's not that they have um, bad intentions. I think their plan is just try and support you as best they can around everything else that they have going on. And so you need to ask some more, some more clarifying questions of them for what's that what that is going to look like because the last thing you want is to get there in the middle of summer and have it be crazy busy and be trying to do things on the fly. It sounds to me like from Molly's email, part of what she's looking for is a clinic where there is dedicated time to um, sit down and work on the skills because trying to learn those skills under pressure, there is something to be said for being able to learn things while you're actually doing them. But there are some clinical skills. I think back to when I was in tech school, there are some clinical skills that I would have absolutely never learned how to do if I was trying to do it on the fly while we were trying to get a patient under anesthesia on the table. Like I just never would have been able to do it. The pressure of that would have been way too much for me. And the fact that I worked in a clinic where after hours, I sat down with a veterinarian and I practiced placing a catheter on an orange and we talked about depth and I got to, you know, feel the skin tension on an orange and do things like that, that really um, made it a stress-free environment made me, I think, so much more successful than I would have been if I learned or if I was trying to learn entirely under pressure. Yeah, I agree. One, one caveat I'll make to this, which is, uh, it's a little bit of nuance, but bear with me. A simple plan for training is not necessarily a bad plan for training. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen clinics that have these ridiculously complex training programs that may look really impressive on the surface. Mm -hmm. If you ask a clinic, how, how, how do you train new technicians? And they give you a quick five-step program that makes total sense and can easily be carried out. That plan may be much better than the plan than the uh, the guys down the road who have a seven page manual of all the things that mm -hmm. you'll learn. It really does depend partly on on execution and who you're working with and do they really enjoy teaching and things like that. So anyway, I just want to put that out. Yeah, I think that some questions, some clarifying questions that I um, I have used or that I um, like to see um, students that I have worked with um, in terms of mentorship use, ask them, can I see examples? Ask them what the time frame, time frame for completion looks like. So, um, you know, if they have, if they actually have a training program, is it broken down into time periods or is it just this gen generous, like nebulous, you could finish this anytime in the next year kind of plan? Um, and what does the, what does the schedule look like? Is there, 
is there a time frame or a plan for we're going to meet once a week or yeah. we're going to or, or you know we're going to meet never like those are things that you need to know and asking those kind of questions um will will really help and i think um the other big piece for students, particularly for my vet tech students, when you're talking to a practice, that's really, really important to ask is how often are you doing some of these procedures? So I've um, been in a place now for this last couple of years where we've had several students go through um, vet tech schools. And there are skills that they have to demonstrate as part of their externship that we absolutely don't do in the clinic. We don't ever do the procedures. We don't have the supplies to do it. You need to know for those things what how how often are they happening. You need to know what supplies you need and you need to know what kind of cases you need. And that responsibility is on you as a student. So I think it's really important to ask some of those um, questions of the clinic so that you know what other opportunities you're going to have to seek outside the clinic as well. Yeah. The I'll give you my questions that I love. First of all, I don't ask the management. I mean, I ask the management a ton of questions, but these are not questions I ask the management. Right. The most important questions are the ones I ask the other employees okay. who were there. And I so like the first that. question I ask is, hey, if I'm a technician, can I talk, uh, can I hang out with the other technicians and see what they do? Mm -hmm. And if the management is wary about giving you alone time with mm -hmm. the other staff, that should be a flag. Yes. That's a red flag. Yeah. Uh, so... Can I hang out with those guys? And then when I'm alone, the, the question that I start with is, what's your favorite part about working here? And, and they'll tell me. I ask that question because, one, I'd like to know what their favorite part is. But number two, they will answer the next question if you ask them that question. And the next question is, what's your least favorite part about working here? So if, if you just say, what's the worst part about being here? That, that it feels weird and it sounds weird and they are not going to tell you that. But if you say, what's the best part about being here? Okay. What's the worst part about being here? Then it feels much because you feel like I gave a big endorsement and now I can uh, give some criticism and I don't feel like I'm being negative or dishing dirt. Yeah. And so that helps me get some information about, about what I'm walking into. So I like that setup. And then the other thing, especially for this reason, one of my favorite things is, Tell me about when you started here. What was it like? Did you feel like you got trained? What kind of support mm -hmm. did you get? Because remember, talk is cheap. Mm -hmm. And so ask someone, especially if they come in fairly recently and be like, you know, what was it like when you started here? Because that's how you'll get the story of what they actually do. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. um, the other part of that is I love to walk around and just ask people, how long have you been here? And it sounds a very innocent question. I'm looking at staff turnover. You know, if you go into a clinic that's been there for 25 mm -hmm. years, but you can't find a tech that has been there more than three, mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean? Like there's always exceptions or there's always reasons mm -hmm. for that. Use yeah. Common sense. But yeah, man, I've been in clinics that have been around 20 years and the oldest tech has been there in nine months yeah. and it doesn't take me long to figure out why. Yep. Mm -hmm. So yep. anyway, those are my tips uh, for Molly. It. I hope that those are helpful. The last thing that I will say is uh, that trips up. This is the last pearl that I'll leave on my side. A lot of times what happens, happens is people get trained by perfectionists. And you say, she always gets it right. She does so detail-oriented. Let's let her train the new guy. And that person is super detail-oriented because they are perfectionists, which means 
They have a way that they want it done and they are very picky about it. And so you may be getting trained by the person in the clinic who cares more than everyone else put together. And so just know that that's a thing that might happen. If you feel like you were paired with that person, then you really have to play to how do you want this done? And so the question that I like is I've done this a number of times before, but there's different ways to do it. How do you want this done? Or how do you like this done? And then I am honestly going to write down what they say Mm -hmm. because the direction of each piece of tape is maybe very important to this person. And so I'm going to write it down and you might want to just slap your head and be like, God, this is so inefficient and I have to do it exactly the way they want. Yeah, you know, you can be righteous or effective. Do you want to get this signed off and move on and gain trust? And then then with trust comes autonomy. Right. Or do you want to fight this battle on this hill right now as the brand new employee going up against the head technician? Uh, that's going to end. That's going to end badly. Yeah. All right, my friend. I hope you guys have a good week. Hopefully the sun is shining for you and it's not snowing. I opened uh, I opened Facebook right before we started and I saw that uh, Doctor our, our friend Dr. Justine Lee is in Minnesota and it was dumping snow on Easter and I was like, no. <laughs> I'm ready for winter to be done. So I hope it's sunny where you guys are and I hope that you all have a good week. Guys, take care of yourselves. Be safe. We will talk yeah. to you very, very soon. Take it easy, guys. Bye, Andy. Bye-bye. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope it was fun. I hope you learned some stuff. I hope it made you think whether you're going to be applying for jobs or whether you're hiring people. Guys, if you have anything you'd love to ask us, we would love to be asked. All you got to do is shoot us an email at podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take it easy. Be well. Be safe. See you soon.